With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Long time coming. This is a good one. Peter Schrager with the flowing locks lettuce that is freshly picked, a nice tan. He is a true insider in the NFL. He is on Good Morning Football. He is everything Fox Sports. And I feel like I've watched it happen as I've kind of come along. And now he's finally on the Left Go Show. And it is a joy. Hello, Peter. Hello, and I'm flattered to be on. I know you've had my colleagues, Nate and Kyle, on. They've loved it. Uh, fired up to be here, and sentiments are likewise, dude. I'm watching Inside the NBA, and I'm, it's a Tuesday night last week, and I see Dwayne Wade with his shirt ripped open, and Shaq having a blast, and Vince Carter, and you're right in the thick of it as an equal, yeah. and I could not be happier and prouder for you. You were saying this before, where you had a similar experience with seeing Strahan and Randy Moss and Howie Long, and it, I didn't even realize we've been in very similar spaces where our love of those athletes is the reason that we're sitting amongst those athletes. And you know, for you, what, what is it like when now people are coming to you and be like, oh, you know everybody, like you're at that level. Does it still mess you up because you're still a kid? No, and, I, you know, and I'm still the kid at heart. I'm still the same kid that was watching Randy Moss on Thanksgiving score three touchdowns in 98. But you know, I have a producer at Fox named Bill Richards, and he's you know done NFL Sunday for years. And one of his messages to me is always like, "Act like you've been there before, dude. Like, remember you belong. Like, and it's and if, if there's anything I got to work on, it's not being in awe of watching Strahan, you know, do what Strahan does while sitting right. next to him at the table, or to see a Terry Bradshaw in the street, just the way he connects with people. But I mean. We're both blessed. This is cool as it gets, but you know it's hard work too, and we've made it. So let's try to, to enjoy it while we can. To that point, someone tweeted me and was like, "Do you pinch yourself?" And I said that when you're out there, it's a job. Like I'm oh, yeah. not looking at Vince Carter as Air Canada. I'm going, "Hey, listen, you were supposed to jump in there when I tossed it to you." You know what I mean? I'm not looking at D Wade. At, I'm looking at him as a coworker, and it's it's only afterwards when I get home and I pour a beer. And I sit there and I see texts from friends that are like, holy shit. That's the only time that it hits me. When you're out there, we're working. And now, if anything, they're on our turf is how I look at it. All right. So it's a great point because I know your path a little bit. I don't know all the details. I know you were in Louisville, Kentucky at one point doing local news, right? Before that, I I know you were going to a bunch of different markets, whatever it was. I also know that in my 20s, you know, out of college, I lived at home for two years, freelance writing. I know that I was sleeping on couches for, uh, you know, at certain training camps because my employer wouldn't pay for me to spend the night and I mm. didn't want to drive out overnight. Like, you've also put the work in. So it's yeah. also like, all right, I've got the reps, the 10,000 hours and all this stuff and I belong. But yes, I'll hear it on Twitter all the time. Be like, how cool is that? Or I'll hear from high school friends. How cool is that that Troy Aikman just said your name on the broadcast? And I'm like, it's he amazing. I love it. Yeah. You know, it's going to be cool till I'm a hundred years old. It's going to be cool to hear that. So I appreciate it still. And I think that's kind of the passion and the love. Like you better have that if you're going to go through the grind of what our careers are. Dude, the other day, 
Ian Eagle was like, now we're going to send it up to Lefko and the guys. And D Wade looked at me and was like, Lefko and the guys. <laughs> and I was like, I, and, and in my head, I'm thinking of like, Ian Eagle, CBS, one yes. o'clock. Like, it's crazy. Yeah, Ian Eagle was doing Jets radio when we were in high school, and now I share a preseason booth with him for the Jets, and he's treating me like an equal, and I guess he should because we've earned it. But to your I point – I think Ian Eagle's the most down-to-earth play-by-play guy and one of the coolest guys in the business. The best. The best. The Nets were not good for a long time the last 10 years, you know, a long time. And I would yes. watch every Net game, whether it was with Ian and Spinarkle or Ian with Sarah. Like, it's a good broadcast. Mm. and. I think uh, we appreciate those guys. But the play-by-play guys typically are pretty down-to-earth and pretty cool and pretty normal because they didn't play the game or they didn't have the celebrity stat. They're kind of the background guys, too. I remember that when you were really starting to make some moves, your podcast at Fox Sports was really starting to get picked up to the point where it was really the first time that I remember seeing a podcast promoted on the ticker. That yeah. during like Fox games would be like, and check out Peter Schrager's interview with Jimmy Johnson. And I was like, yeah. I was like, fuck yeah for podcasts. Like, this yeah. is great. Um, funny. I almost hit it not too early with the podcast, but I had a podcast, the Peter Schrager podcast from like 2014 to 2016, back when there was no money to be made. And, like, yeah. and I interviewed every GM in the league and it wasn't what's with the latest transaction. It was, how did you get your job? Like, where did you come from? What is your story? And it's funny because now we're in 2020 and everyone and their brother and their mother and their sister has a podcast and I'm currently without one. And I'm like, should I get back in the game? I must get back in the game, but I consume all of them and I like enjoying listening. But like, I do have an itch to get back. I just don't know if I've already done it five years ago, if I want to do it all over again, you know? I, uh, it was, it was so cool to see it happen and grow. And then it turned into, uh, okay, now we're on set. Okay. Now we're getting shot up by Troy and then good morning football happened mm-hmm. and you were always connected. And, and there are certain people that claim to be connected and there's certain people that are, and you definitely are. What, what happened to your profile though, as good morning football started to change, what were the interactions? How were they different? All right. So I think you can appreciate this with the difference of, you know, being online, being digital, then getting that TV spot. Whereas you might not hear as much on Twitter, have as much engagement with the viewers. People are watching. So in Good Morning Football, which is our morning show from seven to 10 every day on NFL Network for now five seasons, Mm. it is the background television. It is the wallpaper of every NFL building. So I just think we're doing the show for Kay, Nate, Kyle. We're just having fun and a couple friends that watch. And then you walk into an NFL building, which I do for doing sidelines, and, you know, Matthew Stafford will pull you aside and be like, you guys, you guys really nailed it or you were hilarious on that. Or Aaron Rodgers this week on Kyle Brandt's podcast. That was so cool. He's talking about how we do TV the right way. But everybody When Aaron Rodgers, the guy that seemingly hates all media, goes, you're the one media entity that's doing it right. It's like, just put that on like the bottom of your next book. Like a little, yeah. We'll take it. Um, The truth is though, like just the visibility of being on TV, it has helped and it has helped my pro. Mm. Helps relationships and helps me break news because 
I have a platform every single day. They know that, I, that I'm going to be on there. I've got to be accountable. And that also I could spread truth and spread facts as opposed to just rumors and speculation. Uh, tell me the truth. Do you have a schedule in which you contact people? Like, are there little alerts where you're like, time to text that GM, it's Tuesday, we text on Tuesdays. Do you have something like that? No, um, not necessarily. I would need that because I'm like on another world. I'm on another planet. Not necessarily. What you get in trouble with is Sundays when there's 10 games on and they're all on at once and you didn't watch every play and you've got to text everyone Sunday nights. So you have something Monday morning and you end up copying and pasting the same text maybe to some people. You know, it's like, hey, great win. Um, give me your big takeaway from, you know, and then maybe you make a mistake and say, hey, great win, and you send it to a losing coach. That doesn't go over very well. Oh, That's not usually man. good. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I have a number of questions that I came up with in the shower because okay. I believe that's when I do my best thinking and best. because I've been so, I've been in Atlanta for three weeks. I've been so NBA focused. I yesterday I was sitting on the couch and I went, it is time yeah. to dive so face first into football because we have a month, less than a month. We're recording this on Monday, about three and a half weeks or whatever it is until the games, there's no preseason. And so information is at a premium. Before we get to it though, can I just tell you that over the last three weeks while you've been in Atlanta, I have been watching so much NBA basketball that mm. I think I am, I, I never watch the NBA ever. It's always in the, the wrong time. It's always a draft. And then in the summer, I'm like, I want to tune it out. I've watched so much NBA. There are guys I've never heard of that I'm now mm. huge fans of. I want to get a bull bull Jersey. Like I am so in, I, I love, love, love Gary Trent Jr. I love all these oh. guys. And I'm in on the NBA, which is great and refreshing. Cause I haven't been since college probably. It, it feels like that first Thursday of March Madness every day. Yes. Like we're recording this at 1030 on a Monday. And today there's games at 133, 639. And one of them is Luca and the Clippers. And so good. It's beautiful. Like it's so soothing. I just want to bathe in it every night. It's great. It's great. And we'll get to football, but I would, I could, I'm just saying I could do 40 minutes on Michael Who's your Porter pick? Jr. Who, who are you picking that's to how I feel finals? right now. I'm so well-versed. Who are you picking to go to the finals? Um, out of the West, I still like the Clippers. I picked Me them too. before the season. I do like the Clippers. I think they're going to find a way, and Kawhi's too good. Out yeah. of the East, though, I feel like it's wide open. I'm going to say Toronto. Why not? They've That'd got the experience. I'm still in on them. Let's go Toronto. Toronto versus Clippers, the Kawhi Leonard battle. I, I was sitting down yesterday, and I was like, okay, how would I predict each series? And I started thinking, I was like, man, how's Portland going to do when they have to go to Staples Center and deal with all that? Doesn't and then matter. Like, wait a second. And, and like, that's a question I have for the NFL too, is like, who is that going to hurt the most? But I totally think like Gary Trent Jr. not having to see Rihanna in the first row is a huge deal, yeah. you know? And, and the fact that we always say, oh, it's not a series until you lose at home. Well, what the fuck is home? It's like, nothing. It's not I that. have no idea. It's cool. um, but information for the NFL is going yeah. to be key Let's because – we don't know what's going to happen during game week. There's no postponing games like Major League Baseball. Um, how important do you think continuity is going to be this year compared to other years? Just teams that have the veteran leadership, a quarterback center relationship that goes back years, coaching quarterback. Like how much more of a pre- Drew Brees could wake up tomorrow morning after six months of not touching a football and run Sean Payton's offense and Michael Thomas will know where to go and Alvin Kamara will know where to line up 
and Pete Carmichael, the offensive coordinator, the call, like he'll know exactly what to say. And then you go to Brady and those guys, and it's literally today is literally the first of 14 padded practices where they can touch each other. And then they're playing the Saints week one. Now, I don't think Brady is going to have a problem with Bruce Arians' offense, but you better believe the teams that have a lot coming back are going to have a significant advantage than the others. I look at the Chiefs, they, with the exception of you know, Laurent Duvernay-Tardif yep. and Damian Williams, and they probably upgraded with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. They bring back everyone on offense, and they bring back just about everyone but one player on defense. How are you going to look at the Chiefs and say they're not going to have an advantage over, say, I don't know, the Carolina Panthers that have a new quarterback, new head coach, oh, yeah. new offensive coordinator, new defensive coordinator, new starting wide receiver? So, yes, Adam, I think the team, at least in September, the teams that have that continuity – are going to have a huge, huge advantage over the teams that do not. Oh, because we, we see it every year where one surprising team starts 0-4 and, and we put up the statistic they've never made the playoffs before. Yeah. You're not going to win the division or win the Super Bowl in the first month, but you completely set the tone for the rest of the season and what's really doable. Um, who I, I've heard the Chiefs. I've heard the Saints. I'm, I'm thinking about the other Super Bowl contenders and, and who have that continuity. You know, the Cowboys kind of come out to me a little bit and, and they coach. bring everybody back. Um, what about though, like a team like Arizona where there's a lot of excitement around a Deandre Hopkins, but we always see that first year wide receiver, maybe not start, but then there's also Cleveland and, and they have a lot new offensive line. Who are the other teams that kind of jump out? Maybe okay. focus on those two. San Francisco brings back a lot and they lose to Forrest Buckner and Emmanuel Sanders. But what they did in the draft was get Kinlaw, who is potentially going to be better than Buckner someday. And then they get Brandon Ayuk, who Kyle Shanahan said he had rated as his number one wide receiver yep. in this draft. The, the num- not Ruggs, not Judy, not CeeDee Lamb. He had Brandon Ayuk as the top wide receiver in his draft. So if you're a fantasy player and Debo Samuel's not in the lineup right yeah. away, I would say Brandon Ayuk is not a terrible pick to make. Um, they were in the Super Bowl last year. The 49ers have a lot of continuity. Another team – that brings back a lot of guys that really was just scratching the surface last year is the Green Bay Packers. I think mm. people went nuts over the Jordan Love pick, but by the way, they get a healthy Devontae Adams who had turf toe last year. Aaron Jones, this new kid, A.J. Dillon, who is going to be fantastic in the backfield. And man, they bring back everybody loves that defense. picture of him, man. It was incredible. And, and I talked to Matt LaFleur this offseason, and I'm like, ooh, the Jordan Love pick. Like, how's that going to go? I don't know how that's going to make the deterring. That's not going to be the factor that makes us a great team this year or not. That's long-term. We'll deal with that. That's fine. They bring back just about everybody. And the key of a lot of this continuity stuff, if you're looking to try to make bets or see over-unders, yeah. look at the coordinators. Because if you bring back the same coordinators, you're not rebuilding an entire offense or entire mm. defense. In a lot of these cases, the teams that were really successful last year, they didn't lose all their coordinators. What the about Chiefs, though, like the Packers? What about the Packers losing like a Brian Balaga? Like when you lose like a big yeah. tackle? Yeah, that's fair. It's fine. The Titans they lose Jack Conklin, and everyone right? says, uh, you know, I get it. It's fair. I don't know if this year that's the one that hurts you the most. It's more scheme mm. and quarterback connection with the coaches, I think. So, Are, I, you know, the, I, I want Brady and Arians to have a 14-2 season. I just – I don't know out of the gates how that's going to all go. The reason that I feel somewhat confident with Arians and Brady is I feel like that they can have it on a master's level kind of conversation, not what are the plays, but what are the styles of concepts. Because I do think for the first time that – 
Tom Brady has an arsenal of people that can win 50-50 balls. And mm -hmm. so maybe it's not the exact routes with Edelman, but for the first time, let's find a way to create one-on-one -on -one matchups for Evans, and I'll make it happen. Let's find a way to get Godwin in the middle of the field, and I'll make it happen. And Gronk and OJ, we're lobbing it up. So I'm, I'm wondering if it could be simplified that for the early part of the year they could take advantage of, and then they'll have to adapt as the year goes on. That's my hope for them. Yeah, look, no one knows football better than Brady. And then you got Byron Leftwich, the offensive coordinator. Apparently they're speaking, you know, very well together. They're worried. Here's my thing with the Buccaneers. And I, you know, again, I got a ton of practice with the hours and the reps of talking about Buccaneers this offseason. It's <laughs> been a weird offseason. We talk football three hours a day. Uh, I don't think they're going to have a problem. And I think Evans and Godwin could end up being his two best wide receivers since Randy Moss. It, honestly, they're that good. You look at that roster on paper, it looks great. That offense there are two players with any notable playoff experience, and that's Brady and Gronk. And now, you know, mm. you can say, well, LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy wasn't even active in the Super Bowl, so nope. let's hold off on LaShawn McCoy. And then the second one, Ryan Jensen, who's a center who's going to be playing a big role, obviously. He was starting one game with the Ravens, one game, and it was against the Steelers in 2014 wow. before he jumped around and, and moved over. So I, I don't – I don't know that stuff, how you put a value on that. And that comes in December and January. I'm not saying O.J. Howard hasn't played in big games. He went to Alabama. He played in a lot of big games. It's just a little different come January football when you've never been there before, and there's, they, none of them have. That's What you just said also is the reason since I think, and I'm going to have Ingbert check the tapes later because i got to find this clip. I said the, the Saints were winning the Super Bowl in March. because, And then I think after – Everything happened with Drew Brees and then talking to Demario Davis and seeing how the team has united since then. They are, they are so strong. And when I think of stadiums, the fact that you're going to come into the dome with Brees, and even if it is empty, what I'm no hearing fans. about – No fans. But when I think about Chris Paul – and what I'm hearing about him in the bubble, where they're saying that his voice is so loud and it's almost like dominating other teams. I think about Breeze out there like a machine. And there's like, I think he can execute no matter where. I that the consistency, but the two deep. Because I look at the Bucks roster and I see a one deep. Yeah. When I look at the Saints, I go, these backups could start for a lot of teams in the NFL. And with the the doubts that I have about coronavirus this year. I think that the two deep is more important than ever. That's why I look at the Ravens and Saints and the Niners, and I go, they're stacked at every fucking position. Mm -hmm. Saints are loaded. And, and they're at the draft. They took Cesar Ruiz, I believe, with their first pick, a center. And I'm looking at the team and looking at the team needs. I'm like, they have no needs. It's a position yeah. of luxury. Like, take a center. Why not? Like, you could do that. And I, the Saints are going to be really, really tough to play this year. And I, you mentioned the Ravens. The Ravens loaded up. They didn't lose much. Mm. They get Calais Campbell. They get Patrick Queen. They get J.K. Dobbins. Like, there, there's going to be some haves and some have-nots this season. And I think a lot of it's roster and a lot of it's continuity. I think you nailed it. All right. Let's get to some other of my uh, questions uh, that I came up with in the shower. Um, how does not having live play-by-play -play from local media at these training camps impact the teams, the way in which we perceive these rookies and like quarterback changes. Cause how Jimmy Garoppolo threw five interceptions and it shifts. How, how much is that going to impact? This is a little media brain. 
No, it's inside media. And, and in fact, I was curious, but then I got reports all weekend from friends who are Jets fans texting me being like, Darnold looks great. And I'm like, well, the media is not allowed on the field necessarily at all times. So how do you, well, guess what? The media, they were on the field for a short portion and then they were in the facility at the Jets facility in their media room watching on a TV, the practice. Like there's, everyone is doing it still. So it's an amazing deal how these media entities are all being flexible and the local beat guys are going to be more relied upon this off season than ever before, mm. because there's just so little access. Like I have access because I'm on my phone and I'm texting people. But like, if, if you wanted to ask me how AJ Dillon looks at practice for Packers camp, I won't be the one to tell you because it's mm. not going to be broadcasted. There's not going to be a ton of video. It's going to come from the local beat reporter who's on the ground and is able to be there and watch practice. I thought, Hard Knocks was fascinating because we see the coronavirus testing. I had not seen one piece of footage on a, how they're even doing this. And I thought, wow, I know what's going on, but what a crazy fact that we're two weeks into this and 32 teams, I hadn't seen one visual mm. of a player getting a coronavirus test. And this mm. is the first time I've seen like. So much is cloak and dagger that we're not going to see from now until the start of the season that we just got to trust our sources and also trust our local media guys. I think it's going to be fascinating. It, to me, and, and this is something that I would be curious about, the feed that the reporters are seeing, is it chosen camera angles or is it wide shots? You know what I, I mean? Know. Like I the teams are going to have so much control of the narratives this offseason because they don't have to talk about things. And the coaches – you know, this guy's doing well. They can control. And the fact that there's only going to be, what is it, 80 guys on rosters? 80 rosters um, for now, and then it gets down to 53, yeah. For me, for my fantasy brain okay. and my prop bet brain, I'm going, yeah. I don't trust rookies this year at all. Mm -hmm. Because if, if they're given reps to the starters to get them up to speed because they're not going to have preseason, I don't know if, if round five, six, and seven guy – is really going to get a chance to learn anything uh, yeah. this early on. Yeah, it's hard to say, all right, and it's so early, but like Denzel Mims, third-round pick for the Jets, wide receiver. He might be their number one wide receiver, but he's got 14 practices to practice. He missed the first two with a hamstring injury. If I'm in my fantasy draft, am I taking a guy sight unseen? Like literally sight unseen. Can I take yes. him? I don't know. And yet – I talk to people in Kansas City. I'm pretty plugged in there. I might take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire first overall this year. That's how, that's how good they're talking that's about That's what they're guy. saying, huh? They're saying this guy is unbelievable, and they have all these weapons, and he's sliding right in, and he's going to get the bulk of it. So, you know, it's tough with the, with the, the information and trying to take a bull Of course. I always – fantasy football, prop bets – I think it's fun to take a risk and take a swing. I might as well go with the rookies, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, according to my rankings, it's saying, yeah. man, look, do it with your heart. It's, you, who do you want to root for all year? Um, do you know who you – who do you think are the best offensive line coaches in the NFL? Like, if you were to pull <laughs> around – I know that's a random question, but, like, when, when people talk about Bill Callahan and then yeah. you look at the numbers and I'm just – in this era where everyone tells me you can't find offensive linemen because they all play spread in college football, and then I watch what the Ravens did last year and the Niners, as you pull up the teams, please, like, because uh, yeah. I know this is a ridiculous question. That no, I, I was looking to for. make to double check that this the, the coach I'm going to say is still there. I just I think in this in this year, getting that unit together is more paramount than ever. 
And I was just curious if there's any other names than Bill Callahan that you had for me, because as I'm doing my preseason predictions, that is shit that I care about. It really yeah. is. Yeah, look, there's been a lot of changes at that position, obviously, this year. There has been a ton. Um, some guy, like, for example, Denver's running game is a big question mark. We love Melvin Gordon. We love Philip Lindsay. What do we do with them as a combination? I have no idea. But I know that their offensive line coach is Mike Munchak, who's one yeah. of the best offensive line coaches in all of football. So I would assume. So when people figure- doubt the fact that their starting center is a third-round rookie and they got a free agent at right guard, you move beyond it because you're like, all right, it's Munchak. He's, mm. he's not going to, he, he covers up a lot of that. Um, you know, you look at the giants, they have Mark Colombo who comes over from the Cowboys. The giants defensive line has been atrocious, but then you say, okay, Jason Garrett's there. Colombo's there. There's a guy that everyone says down at Dallas was fantastic. Has all this history. Like maybe that works. And Solder opted out. Of, and that, that, that Solder opted out there, which is Solder enormous. Out. You have a rookie starting in front of a second-year quarterback with maybe the most prized piece of any team, Saquon Barkley, a running back. The offensive line better be good. Mm. Uh, I could go down all the different position coaches in the NFL, but I think I look at the coaches, like you asked, that's smart. Look at the coaches, make sure they've got experience and there's some continuity there. You know, And I think that's, that's an important piece to this because – especially with all these rookies and these, and these guys that are coming in as free agents, again, timing, cadence, everything, it all plays a huge role. Which teams do you think lose the most without having a home field advantage with fans? Good question. I, I actually think the Saints lose quite a bit with that cavernous mm. dome. I, go, it's one thing to watch it on TV. It's another thing to go in there. That place is really hard to win when the fans get going and the momentum kind of gets rolling and it's like, oh God, this game got out of our way. And then I look at some of the old places where it's like, all right, I'm going into Pittsburgh in a late afternoon game and it's cold as shit and they're playing Sticks Renegade and the crowd is loud as hell. How are we going to come out of here with a victory? And it's those thoughts too, like the historic teams and the historic fans and like those late afternoon cold Weird games. conspiracy Steelers one though. Let me hear. What the fuck happens to the kicking games if there's no fans? Does that change the wind and it really starts swirling even more? Like, what about the physics of it? I don't know. That's, that's a weird that's, thought. But those, and those are the questions. Those are the questions mm. people are asking. Like, earlier this offseason, Bruce Arians threw out that thing that he might have a quarterback not be in the quarterback room and just be on Zoom and be in quarantine just in case the quarterback mm. room had a breakout. There'd have... That's the kind of next level thinking that these teams are all going through. So you mentioned that question about the anatomy and the physics of fans being a wall almost for swirling winds. And now they're gone. What does that do? That's a legitimate question. That is Mm. a legitimate question. I look at Vegas. Vegas is opening up this new stadium. And a lot of people are like, it's not going to be a huge home field advantage because it's going to be visiting fans flying in every week. And not anymore. Not anymore. Now it's Vegas Raiders, neutral, hot as hell. That yeah. these team that the Vegas Raiders have been practicing in, and other teams maybe haven't been. I think it is it open in Vegas or is it closed? Them. I'm not sure. I think it goes. It has like, to be closed. I I think it does the whole thing. I think it's the contractual the, uh, the the whole deal where it can go in and out. I got to double check it. That would that be like playing in in Miami in August, where you yeah. just by the fourth quarter guys are dead, and you're like, I Let's feel look so up bad. Vegas Raiders Stadium and see if there's an if open it's outdoor. Air. That's that's scary. I would be worried. Pickle juice, open air. This is what this is the beauty of what we're doing here. Yeah. Um, Live um, research. Allegiant Stadium. I always thought it looked like a Roomba, so it was closed. I know. Hey, 
I think you're right. I think it's okay, closed there. Okay, well, let's try to take that a step further here. The fans yeah. <laughs> from other teams won't be there because they've been spending four days in Vegas populating. We'll get rid of the weather conversation. We'll edit that out. Well, that's why I think the AFC West is probably the one that's hit the most because I think Chiefs and Broncos – have huge home field advantages. And now the Raiders in a new one, which would have had a lot of visiting teams and the chargers, like the chargers, I think are the ones that are the most prepared where it's like, Oh, playing in a place with no support. All about it. Yeah. Hey, the Raiders stadium will have a retractable roof, a feature becoming more common in today's NFL. I stand corrected. Mm. There we go. Okay. Got one. Good. We can open it up if we want. Yeah. That's, that's like buying a convertible in Vegas. Why would you do that? (laughs) Leave it closed. Um, in it, the coaches that you said think next level, the ones that truly innovate, not just between the lines, but also in the facility with the owners and all that. Yeah. Who are the ones that you really think are going to handle this the best? And, and if you could, I know you keep it poor positive, which franchises are you more worried about? Uh, because this is next level thinking that's required. Yeah, like it's not an age thing because I've got folks in New England who are like Belichick has been as more dialed in and focused on how to just find a way to get an advantage through this. And to, oh, like, I love it. Apparently, he has been in the lab, like on not only coronavirus protection, but like how the facility should be operating. Dive into this. Is it is he locked in his office? Like, what do you mean in the lab? I re- this is fascinating to me. I don't know. Apparently he was in Nantucket this off season and was not out and about, was constructing plans and is, I say a lab, it's almost like he's a mad scientist, but it's not just X's and O's and how it can work with Cam and whatever else they got, but how can we have the most efficient practice possible and also the safest practice possible? I, Bruce Arians is famous for doing something where he has a million coaches on his staff and everyone applauds him for being so inclusive, which he should be, it should be applauded for. It's amazing. They've got women, they've got uh, people of color, all this stuff, but he's got the biggest staff in football. And one of the reasons that Arians does that, which isn't mentioned is that they could run two simultaneous practices at Mm. once because they've got two practice fields. So here you got coaching staff at every position too deep going up against that coaching staff, every position too deep, the more the better so that you can get one-on-one coaching with some of these players that you would usually get in June and May, you're not going to get because of the limited amount of time and reps. Arians has a huge staff and he's using every one of those staff members to coach different position groups. So I look at that kind of stuff. And then I always go back to the guy who I think is as forward thinking as any in any sport. I think Sean McVay is next level with this stuff. Mm. I've been talking to him throughout the off season and everything you saw on hard knocks is just scratching the surface on how he wants to utilize their facility, the outdoor space, the advantage of being in Los Angeles, what they can do this entire summer. And then he did something that, you know, it it was very quietly done, but he hired Kevin O'Connell as his offensive coordinator, who last year was basically the offensive coordinator, the head coach, and at times was doing stuff on defense with Wade Phillips. McVay's kind of taken a step back this year and because of what's going on has really taken a step back and been more of the CEO overseeing things and letting Kevin O'Connell work with Jared Goff. Wow. So that Sean can oversee all the position groups and seeing how things are going in a coronavirus pandemic environment, which is just insane, but making sure efficiency and everyone's getting the most. Talk about an impressive dude. Just have you had him on your show yet? 
I have I've done two different episodes with him, so it's been a much more informal setting. You did the thing uh, with the memory. I know that went yes. viral. That was good. He um, he's just one of those guys where you're around him and you go, you're you do excellence. That's what you're about. The the other names that I was thinking about, Harbaugh and the Ravens. I feel like are such a well-run ship that this is perfect for them. Yep. Uh, I also think about the Colts. Uh, and and what Ballard? How I could just see this happening with Ballard and him going, let's assess yeah, and yeah. we're going to handle this. Yeah. You know, and the, I, organizationally, those are the ones I trust the most, and I think that they'll benefit because of it. Another thing with the Ravens, and again, you might your your listeners might be like, oh my gosh, this guy, I'm tuning out with what he's talking about. But the Ravens have the biggest analytics staff in all of football. By the way, right? they're not fucking saying that. They're saying, right. put this in my veins because okay, this good, is great. Good. So please. Because sometimes I'll get into this and they're like, wait, talk about whether Matt Stafford's going to have more touchdowns than Matt Ryan. I I'm could like, give hey. two shits about statistics <laughs> or predictions. Fuck that. Because guess what? I, right after you got done, I'd be like, don't listen to what Trigger said. He doesn't have any idea like the rest of us. Yes. But like tangible info about like the analytics staff interests me. Ravens have this huge analytics staff and it's headed up by, I believe Scott Cohen's his name. And he hired all these different young, smart analytics people. And it's people from Johns Hopkins and people who are, are from Ivy league schools. And I know that that staff, which is usually, Hey, fourth and one, fourth and two scenario planning, how are we going to do this? They've put out a whole blueprint of how they should handle practices and get the most out of their organization during the next few weeks. It's all about efficiency because the CBA limits your time. So what can we do to make the most of it? And I think, Adam, more than any other year, like I've said, the smartest coaches, the best-run organizations are going to have a huge gap mm. over some of those teams that have some holes and maybe are just new to the game as far as working together. I mean, I'm, I'm just thinking about the Lions, and I don't mean the shit on the Lions because I know Detroit fans get a lot, but like when you have a season where even your owner has changed and we've already questioned and like I got Darius Slay on the Eagles like – just taking shot after shot after yeah. shot. I'm like, those are the organizations that I worry about. Uh, or, and, and I'm going to stay in the NFC North, a Chicago team where there's so many people that are worried about their jobs. I, if I'm worried about my doing, running an organization, but also my job security, I have to imagine that's an added pressure that is not needed right now. Yeah, of course. I think the teams that I'd be most curious to see see out of the gates are the teams with the first year coaches so at least Patricia has worked with Daryl Bevel and Patricia's in year three with Bob Quinn and Patricia right. knows the Rod Wood the president like they can have a I look at some of the first year coaches like I mentioned Matt Rule Matt Rule comes in with a ton of optimism a ton of positivity and a great long-term plan Matt Rule cannot been have cannot have been dealt a stranger <laughs> deck of cards this offseason with the coronavirus deal because He's got Phil Snow, a college coordinator, first-year coordinator in the, in the NFL. He's got Joe Brady, a 30-year-old offensive coordinator who could be a wonder kid and could take the league by storm without any March or April or you know, yeah. July with these players. I'm not sure that happens. Luckily, luckily, Bridgewater worked with him in the Saints, but like that was a di- that a, Joe Brady was 28, 27. Yeah, yeah, for a year when Bridgewater was the backup quarterback and Joe Brady was the – Quality control coach. Yeah. yeah. And they have the youngest um, defense at, in the NFL. Yeah. And they drafted seven, seven draft picks on defense who are all going to play and probably yeah. all going to make the team. So I look at that and any year that would be a big uphill climb when there's 14 padded practices and the players are still meeting the coaches. I think that's a significant disadvantage to a team like new Orleans, same division who have all been together. Who are the players that 
when you get to talk to them, it, it makes you happy because you're like, this isn't me talking or interviewing an athlete. It's a genuinely interesting, captivating human. Yeah, great question. Um, it's an obvious one because he's the face of the league. Mahomes is something special. Mahomes mm. is next level as far as understanding the room, understanding the social dynamics, understanding the professional dynamics. I walk in there as a sideline reporter. He doesn't need to pay me two cents. Looks you in the eye. He says your name. He'll have a conversation. And that's, then I walk away and he's speaking to the administrative assistant the same way. There's a very... Uh, very like there's a memory that I have that I'll never forget that I've told before Andy Reed, the first year Mahomes was the starter his, his uh, big MVP season week three on the sideline reporter. It's it's chiefs versus 49ers. It's one of Mahomes' greatest first breakout fucking games. play ever. Yeah. It's that crazy spin around oh. play. I'm the sideline guy. I'm like seeing it in person the Friday before that game. Mahomes is with us at a production meeting and I'm just amazed. I'm asking him questions. He's rattling off answers. We go through his high school basketball career, his high school baseball career. We talk about Jared Stidham, who he and I, he, they both were supposed to go to Texas Tech. Mahomes stayed, Stidham didn't, mm. all this stuff. Afterwards, Andy Reid pulls me aside and is basically like, look, I've had Donovan McNabb, who is a master of my offense. I've had Alex Smith, who is maybe the most cerebral quarterback this league has. And I'm telling you, this kid is right there with them up here right away like yeah. three games into it he gets it all he's got a photographic memory and i could throw anything at him he remembers it he can retain it and he can communicate it so i knew right then and there that mahomes was going to be something special if andy reed's talking him that way and then he treats people well oh. so like when he gets 500 million dollars in a contract you're happy for him there's no resentment and you see what his teammates are doing they're all taking less so they could play with him I, Mahomes is one. And then you go through the guys that have just been around the league that are just great dudes to talk to. Like Akeem Hicks on the Chicago Bears is like an awesome guy. Cameron Jordan, he does a lot of media. So maybe you think he's overexposed with how much media no, he does. Cam Jordan's one of my favorites. Great. A great dude. And always there for a good conversation. And then I always love talking to the guys like Fitzpatrick and McCown and those type of guys who have been around the league and have stories and stories to share. Colt McCoy, another great guy. Like those types of guys are just fun to just sit back and talk with. But all these young quarterbacks, Deshaun Watson gets it. Lamar Jackson gets it. Patrick Mahomes gets it. Jared Goff gets it. They're coming in a little bit more polished, a little more open than maybe the last generation of guys who are all about ball and weren't exactly looking to mix it up with the media. It's, it's cool because I think about the NBA too, and I'm, not, I'm, I'm making a comparison that's going to elevate Alex Smith too much, but I look at what Alex Smith did for Mahomes, and I see a lot of what Dirk did for Luka, sure. where, hey, this is the way to do it. Mm -hmm. and, and because it's my last year, you don't gotta, like, I'm going to take a lot of the brunt of all that stuff, and then there's that second-year explosion. But I also see in the NBA where in these last – three years it's it's Tatum Luca Trey Zion Ja and you're like holy shit there's a wave and then I yeah. look at NFL quarterbacks and I see Dak Carson Mahomes Watson uh Baker Daniel Jones like all of the and Kyler obviously Kyler. and because there, there always goes through those waves where you're sitting on the older players for too long yeah and you're like we get it Big Ben Breeze Brady we get it and when there's that youthful injection, it makes the older guys play harder too. And yeah. this, this new crop, when you're talking about Mahomes and his ability to pick up plays, that's what I always hear about Deshaun Watson. 
It's like photographic. I could do anything I want. And I, I really think that Mahomes, here's one for you. I think Mahomes and Watson are going to rival, what was it, the 83 draft? Yeah, 83 With draft. Marino and Elway and Jim Kelly. Marino, Kelly, Elway. Trubisky. Brian Tom yeah. Blackledge and Tony Eason. They were six drafted in the same round. But yeah, that, it's funny. You laugh at Trubisky, but like, you know, when Eli and, and, and Roethlisberger and Rivers were all drafted, JP Lossman Holy was in that shit. conversation I, too. And I'm just it's realizing. Survival of the fittest. Um, it's survival of the fittest. And it's like, Lossman didn't work out and those three emerge. And like Trubisky, everyone's waiting for Trubisky. It might happen. Oh, and connect, or it might connect not. all this. And it might just be these like, guys. 83 okay. NFL, Marino, yep. Elway, Kelly. Yep. Also the year Michael Jordan and Kim Olajuwon. Okay? 2003, 2004. LeBron, Carmelo, uh, Dwayne Wade, Bosh. Right? One of the greatest drafts of all time. And then there you had Eli, Big Ben, and Rivers. Sure. And then, and then uh, you think you got like 2012. What two Northwest quarterback athletes came out? Russell Wilson and Dame Lillard. Yeah. Pretty good. I don't know. I'm, I'm, this is like some weird shit. And then Mahomes and all them in like 27, 2018, you got like the loop. It's weird. I don't know. I, this is probably it's, anecdotal things, but. It, no, my mind works the same way and it comes in waves. And it's, of course, you can compare and contrast and say, okay, this draft, this time. But you're going to look at the ESPY awards in five years and it's going to be completely different faces presenting awards. And then in 10 years, different faces presenting awards. And it's from all different sports. And I think we're in good hands in the NBA and at least the NFL. I, I don't know the other sports. I don't know who the NHL's young stars, Connor McDavid or whoever yeah. else. And I don't know baseball well enough to tell you. Aaron Fernando Judge Tatis. Is be that guy. Who is it? Tatis from the Padres? Tatis and Juan Soto seem to be the big boys right what now. What team is Juan Soto? The, the Nationals? Washington, yeah. 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 So I could tell you that I think that uh, there's all these guys. And, and I, you know, I, I look at some of the other quarterbacks in that young class. Like, Maybe Dwayne Haskins is good this year. Like we don't like we, there's so many young quarterbacks across the league. Maybe Justin Herbert and Tua and Burrow are good right away. And we have three other gifts. It's funny because I work for Fox. So for years we had the NFC and it was Rogers and it was Romo and it was Eli. And, and then you go to any one of these, you know, you go to any of them. There was the NFC had the quarterbacks for years and the AFC always had just Brady and Manning. And then there was this, fight for maybe Andy Dalton could be good or Andrew Luck could be good. I look at the AFC now. AFC, every team from Sam Darnold to Baker Mayfield to Tua, like every team has a cool young quarterback. And that includes obviously Lamar, Mahomes, and Watson, who are three of the best. You know which other two guys were drafted right around the same time? They're both Ooh. State Farm ad guys, Aaron Rodgers and Chris Paul. Chris Paul. And I would say they're Symmetry. discussed very similarly. Symmetry. That's it. I love it. Love it. Um, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna start wrapping up, but I I have just one or two more questions. Okay. Um, I, I I had this conversation with Silva, and I think you might be better at it than than we were. The way that the NFL is presented in a media landscape, compared to the other sports, and the way it's digested by fans, uh, I find it to be a little bit more pessimistic. I find that it's everyone is about making a prediction. <laughs> and then you get destroyed for your prediction. Uh, it's hot or not. It's buy or sell. Yeah. It's yes or no. Like the NFL is right or wrong. 
And it's like, well, how many Super Bowls? It, that's it. And I don't feel like it's as much in the NBA. I feel like there's a lot more like bubble and like fashion and all this. Why do you think there's such a gap and can it get there? Because I know good morning football is like a social lubricant to get it there. Yeah, we're the positive show in the morning. And yet, you know, same deal. We've got to come on and say, all right, who's going to be better, Tua or Herbert? And then it's a whole debate. And part of a debate is tearing down the other guy. So yeah. it's, it's part of it. Um, that's a great question. I don't know why. I also think in August – the NFL is different than the NBA maybe in October, November. In August, mm. I mean, Adam, I'm not kidding. We have Bengals fans watching the show who legitimately think the Bengals are going to be hoisting a Lombardi trophy in February. And I'm not laughing. That is the right. NFL because the 49ers went from 4-12 and 12 to the Super Bowl last year. And mm. the year before that, or you know, the Eagles a few years back went from irrelevant non-playoff team to hoist a Super Bowl with Nick Foles as the quarterback. So mm. – I think the NFL provides greater fan optimism early and then greater disappointment later mm. on. And the injuries happening so often in the NFL, far more than the NBA, yeah. it, it leads to these players that we hype on a pedestal and then they say, F that guy, he's cost me something now. And meanwhile, the guy got hurt because he's battering. Yeah his knee against a 300 pound player, you know, like I hear what you're saying and it's relentless. Like you mentioned Trubisky and totally. we laugh and we're like, I know Mitch Trubisky. He's a good dude. He's a good dude. He's a great ambassador for the game. The bears don't fulfill expectations. That will not be a good season and it'll not be a fun existence for Mitch Trubisky. And, and I'm not glossing over the fact that NBA does LeBron versus Jordan every waking second, Whatever. but that's, that, that's, I think we're going to get that way with Mahomes and Brady. Wait, can I also, I want to make it, a, and you're part of the NBA media. I also think the NFL media maybe treats these athletes different as a whole than the, NF, than the NBA media. I feel like you guys are hand in hand a little bit. Of course, everyone's a reporter and don't, I'm not saying Woj and yourself aren't going to treat it objectively and everything, but there is almost a, hey, we're all in this together. Yes. You know, let's go to Chris Haynes on the sideline. Him and Dame Lillard are friends. We're going to get Dame Lillard's comments. That's great. Let's go back up to here. We've got the NFL. I feel like with the exception of maybe Jay Glazer, who plays the like, hey, you know, which is accurate, but like, this is my friend and we're talking. I yeah. feel like that dynamic doesn't really exist NFL as much as it does NBA. I think about it even like this. Oh, he's an offensive guy. I'm a defensive guy. And it's like, wait, what? And yeah. like, so you even get those little divides. Oh, he's a zone corner. I'm a man corner. Yeah. Like there's so many little divides that it's no, no one's just a player. Exactly right. Exactly right. And we did a debate on our show, you know, Derrick Henry or Christian McCaffrey, and it got heated and all this stuff. And then, of course, the third man in, what about McCaffrey? You know, or no, I'm sorry. What about, you know, Saquon? What about this? Right. That's the NFL. Everyone wants in on it. I mean, shit, the top 100 list. People get yeah. so – I'm getting text messages from players being like, can you believe this? And I'm like, yeah. are you watching this? No offense. I know it's like NFL Network. But, like, are you ratings in Dude, general. Bro, three-hour show, five days a week, breaking down for one week Madden ratings – the second oh. week, NFL 100. And guess what? High-rated shows. People want to argue. People want to debate. They love it. Um, all right, last one is a Patriots question. I do believe that they can build something around Cam, and it could be a very interesting, special thing. Sims was on as a guest, and he talked about the fact that Sanu, Edelman, Cam, they could do some weird, crazy things. Mm -hmm. 
Stidham has been in the building for a year, and we talked about continuity. And I've heard good things about Stidham in terms of swagger. I've heard that he's never going to back down from anybody and that he's got a nice little arm cannon on him. How do you think this plays out? Because I also think the Patriots don't want to throw Stidham right in after Brady, and Cam is that perfect. He wasn't right after Brady, he's after Cam. How do, how do you think that develops? I've gotten a lot of crap over the last few months because I went on Bill Simmons's podcast, similar popular podcast to yours. I went on Bill Simmons and I was like, dude, they love Stidham. They love Stidham. Like, and, I'm, and that comes from real sources in New England, yeah. not just here's a message board of the local radio guy. Like, I talked to folks up there and during that entire Brady free agency, it was nothing but respect and it was nothing but grace and nothing but wishing Tom well. But there were no tears shed over the future of the Patriots in that building because they felt so confident with Stidham. When Cam sits on the block for three months and you can get Cam Newton for $1.75 million. Yeah. $1.75 million. That's the craziest thing. You get him for a veteran, basically minimum contract. The Patriots eventually were just like, all right, we can't not bring him in. Let's bring it in. But they're saying now, and they're saying it's an open competition and everyone's rolling their eyes saying it's Cam's team. I do think Cam starts week one. I really do. Mm. But I also would monitor that health. The foot was what everyone talks about. The shoulder is what still concerns me. And that's why I don't think it's a done deal that Cam goes 16 games with the Patriots and then re-signs with them. I have to watch and see how this plays out because I have to both treat their love for Stidham, which is 100% accurate and still very strong in that building, and also the question mark of can we get the Cam Newton of old? Because if we do, then it's fine. It's Cam, and we ride this wave, and we see where it goes, and you sign him to another contract, and Stidham, okay, whatever, you're a fourth-round pick. But if Cam can't go the distance, or Cam is having injury issues, or Cam isn't picking it up as soon as he can, Stidham is a nice 1A to have. I'm just thinking about a, a guy in Bill Belichick that loves to – his principle on defense is I'm going to show you something. And when the play starts, it's going to be nothing like what you've seen. I'm going to mentally mess you up. And with the fact that the first time he gets to go, I'm going to show the NFL a quarterback, the most important position on a team to start the season. And then halfway through, I get to mix it up on you. To me, it is so thematically Bill Belichick. And the fact that it's, I, I, I agree with you. I see Cam going 9-10 depending on the schedule we'll and how it is, and then Stidham. I, I would, I, that's, that's, that's my prediction. We'll see. I, I, we talk strategy. This is my last thing on like the preseason yeah. strategy. So there's no preseason games. I usually do the Jets preseason games with Ian Eagle and Anthony Beck. And there's now talk, not the Jets, but some teams are going to be airing on their local broadcasts in the same windows there were supposed to be preseason games, inter-squad scrimmages. So you're not getting the preseason game, but you're seeing the number ones on offense go up against number ones on defense. You could still sell ad revenue and it's the same deal. And we get football and people are watching. It's August. It's great. I text the coach saying, Hey, curious. Do you guys plan on broadcasting your inter-squad scrimmage? And this coach of an unnamed team said, absolutely not. Why would I want to put anything on film for the rest of the 31 other teams to watch I would be very surprised if the New England Patriots were, were airing inter-squad scrimmages on mm. local TV this summer. It's one of those deals where I don't think we have any idea what McDaniels and Belichick and I'll throw Jed Fish, who's the new quarterbacks coach in there, have any idea what they're cooking up. 
And I think it's going to be pretty different than what we were used to with Tom Brady. Love it. P. Schrager, follow him on Twitter, at P. Schrager's. Watch him Good Morning Football, Monday through Friday, 7 to 10, as a podcast that likes to proclaim to be players first, the Players Podcast. That's what I think about their show. And Peter is someone that is connected. He's built his way up. He is here to stay, and you just have to deal with it. Schrager, do you have anything else that you'd like to say? I love your getup on these Inside the NBAs. Everyone else is wearing some crazy, flashy thing. You like to go button-down sweater in the in the winter and then this year you were very good i'm so happy to see you on that set i'm proud of you and i cannot wait to see what we got for the playoffs you're the man schrager appreciate you brother awesome peter freaking schrager always a good time um guys seriously follow him on twitter um and this is going to be very interesting because what i said in the beginning about how how important information is You've heard, you've heard when we had Crack on and we have Warren Sharp on and the amount of importance they put on readers, people just going through and reading all local newspapers. Realize, though, that the local newspapers, there's a few things. Number one, a lot of media companies are laying people off right now. And a lot of those people are insiders. One happened to the Philadelphia Eagles, shout out to Derek Gunn, who was incredible. So you have less reliable reporting. Let's just put that out there. Number two, you're going to have less access. What I just took from that is if they're watching on monitors, well, then teams can control what goes on those monitors. So let's say that there's a kicking battle. Let's say it's Chicago last year. And we might not hear about it because it might not go on there. And I don't think coaches are going to be texting people, man, we got real issues with the kicking department. Teams that are unified and solidified are going to have a lot more control over what goes out and keeping things in house. Patriots, all of those teams. Um, There's going to be wild, wild, wild inaccuracies early in the year with Vegas lines. I think Um, it's going to be crazy and there's going to be crazy overreactions to start the season. Uh, I wasn't lying when I said the Schrager and I texted this to Ingber this morning Um, I'm going to be watching as much basketball as I can, but I'm about to be diving into uh, football in a heavy, heavy way. I want to be, I want to try and do what I did last year by being on the Ravens. So I've already started setting up some books um, for kind of getting all the notes ready and all that shit. Um, We're going to keep having guests on. Uh, we're going to be at around two or three podcasts a week, depending on if we start doing other ones. If I have a, a card podcast or a comedian like we had Dan Soder on Monday, then those might be three weeks. And then during the season, we'll update you sooner on what that schedule will be. Also, LFGL, Lufko Fantasy Gridiron League. Uh, our man Ezel has put out a questionnaire. Uh, Do you want to be a commissioner? What time zone are you in? All of this is so that we can put you guys in leagues with similar time zones so you're not getting a trade offer at 2 in the morning and then it evaporates by the time you wake up because it went international. We had 1,200 people last year. I know that we're already four, five, six hundred as it is. Uh, Look for the questionnaire. We have it on our Twitter and also it is our last post on the Left Go Show IG and it's in the bio. So go sign up. Uh, We don't know if we're going to do free, $5, $10. It's one of the questions if we want to do a giveaway prize uh, at the end. If not, the prize will always be coming on the Left Go Show and gloating. Uh, So love you guys a lot. Schrager was great. 
for David Ingber. I am the L-E-F-K-O-E. We will holla, holla, holla at you. Peace.